It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This podcast contains violence, adult themes, and material that may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is strongly advised. True North True Crime is produced on the traditional territories of the Coast Salish people. My name is Dawn Scott, and this is my husband, Eldon. We are the parents of 20-year-old Madison Scott. Our daughter, Maddie, was last seen on Saturday, May 28th, out at Hogsback Lake, just south of our hometown of Vanderhoof. While we continue to receive outstanding support from our friends and the community, and the RCMP continues to follow up on information and tips, we have not been able to locate our daughter. We are hopeful and continue to believe that someone out there has the information we need to bring our daughter home. Please, search your heart, search your mind, and review your memory and call the RCMP with any bit of information you may have. We love our daughter. We need her back home. We need to find her. Please help us. Thank you. British Columbia has a missing persons problem. From 2015 to 2021, anywhere from 10,000 to 13,000 people are reported missing each year in BC. Some are found, but many are not. These numbers are the highest of any province in the country. Since records started being kept, about 2,500 people have gone missing and stayed missing in British Columbia. That's over a third of the roughly 7,000 cases nationwide. The next highest province is Ontario with about 1,500 such cases. But Ontario has almost three times the population of British Columbia. So why does this discrepancy exist? The more a person looks into the reasons why, the more complicated the problem seems. Is it the rugged landscape? A lack of resources? Socioeconomic disparities? Addiction? Mental health issues? Or is it something more sinister? There are people missing from Vancouver's downtown east side, from the Okanagan, from Vancouver Island, and along the Highway of Tears. Every year, families in the province mark dark anniversaries with media pleas, awareness campaigns, and fundraisers, all the while praying for answers. For one family, in the community of Vanderhoof, British Columbia, the fight for those answers continues. Tonight, we present the disappearance of Madison Scott, and this is True North True Crime. 
welcome to True North True Crime. Thanks for joining us. As usual, we want to thank some folks for donating coffee for this week's episode. A big thank you to Christy W., Alicia, Lee, user at both with a K, J.F. Cottenham, Cam, Cheryl K., and Erica. Thank you for supporting the podcast. If you would like to donate a coffee for an upcoming episode, you can do so by going to buymeacoffee.com slash tntcpod. If merchandise is more your style, we do have t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, all that sort of thing at our Tee Public store, or you can support our podcast by following us on social media at tntcpod and say hi. If you're new to True North True Crime, we are an independent Canadian podcast bringing attention to cases of missing people and victims of violent crime. We are a two-person team producing the episodes from start to finish. We seek to raise awareness for these stories. And we appreciate all of your episode suggestions, and we want to let you know that we do prioritize cases that come to us from family members or close contacts. So if your family member, friend, or loved one is struggling to get attention for a missing or murdered person, please reach out to us. There are many ways that you can participate if you don't want to be on mic or if you want to be off the record. Feel free to reach out to us at truenorthtruecrime at gmail.com. Okay, let's get into tonight's episode. So this is a case that has been suggested to us by many listeners. Tonight we are talking about the disappearance of 20-year-old Madison Scott. Madison Scott was last seen at a campground near Vanderhoof, B.C. on May 28, 2011. According to Missing Posters, Madison Scott is a 20-year-old woman with shoulder-length ginger hair. She is 5 foot 4 inches tall and 160 pounds. She has a bird silhouette tattoo on her left wrist and has a left nostril piercing. Her disappearance is suspicious and may be the result of foul play. There is a reward of up to $100,000 for any information leading to the arrests and convictions of the person or persons responsible for her disappearance. Anonymous tips can be received through Crime Stoppers. Madison Scott's story has been widely covered through podcasts, YouTube content, the Canadian media, and the American network television show 48 Hours. If you are familiar with the story of Madison Scott's disappearance, then you will be aware of the details we provide in this episode. We are not coming into this episode with new information, theories, or a new angle. Our intention in covering this case is to continue the awareness campaign about Madison Scott and to provide the commonly known details that surround her disappearance. We put this episode together using publicly available news articles, as well as information provided by the madisonscott.ca website. There is an incredibly informative documentary titled The Vanishing of Madison Scott. Christy, from Canadian True Crime, has a very informative episode on this case that we highly recommend. This case takes place in Vanderhoof, British Columbia. Vanderhoof is a municipality in the interior of BC with about 10,000 residents. For a reference point for our listeners outside of BC, Vanderhoof is about 900 kilometers or a 10-hour drive from the city of Vancouver. Vanderhoof is referred to as the geographical center of the province and is about 100 kilometers west of Prince George along Highway 16. 
Some of our listeners may recall that this stretch of Highway 16 between Prince George and Prince Rupert is also referred to as the Highway of Tears, a stretch of highway where many women have gone missing or been murdered over the past few decades. However, Vanderhoof is a stunning place, surrounded by natural beauty with crystal clear lakes, dense forest, mountains, and rushing rivers. For those that love natural beauty and wildlife, Vanderhoof is an amazing place to be. The economy of Vanderhoof was traditionally driven by natural resources such as forestry or mining. However, outdoor tourism has been a boon for the community in recent years. The people of Vanderhoof are community-minded. People take care of one another there. Whether it's supporting the Vanderhoof minor hockey teams, fundraising for local causes, or simply saying hi to one another on the streets, it seems that most everyone in Vanderhoof knows one another. Madison Scott was born on April 29, 1991. She is the daughter of Dawn and Eldon Scott and is the middle child with both a brother and a sister. The Scott family is well-known and well-liked in the community. Madison, who is known as Maddie, is known for her personality. She is a natural leader who people gravitate to. She has a vibrant personality and a well-known sense of humor. Maddie is the type of person who is very independent, strong, witty, smart. She loves her family and friends and just loves life. She has a great appetite for experiences, and that is expressed through a wide range of interests. Madison also loves photography. Perhaps it's this draw of capturing images that allowed her to thrive in her visual arts class. Maddie and a group of friends created a production company called Shenanigans Productions. Maddie would write, edit, storyboard, and produce sketches and spoofy-type horror films with her production team. In fact, that team won Best Production Group at her high school. It feels strange to list all of her interests because there's so many of them and they're so diverse. Maddie enjoys playing ice hockey, horseback riding, dirt biking, swimming, water sports. She is just an incredibly well-rounded person. Friends and family state that she could be in a pretty dress one minute or in coveralls working on her truck the next. And she loved working on that truck. Maddie drove an off-white 1990 Ford F-150, and she knew that truck inside and out. In 2011, Madison was working as an apprentice heavy machinery mechanic for a forestry company. So as we stated, in 2011, Maddie was 20 years old. She was not dating anyone specifically at the time, although she was on dating sites. She had an interest in one guy, but that didn't work out. Maddie had a lot of friends, including people she used to go to high school with. Some friends had moved away to pursue educations and careers, but would contact Maddie when they came back to visit Vanderhoof. In fact, the week leading up to her disappearance, Maddie made plans to connect with a friend who was coming to town that weekend. However, that week, another acquaintance named Jordy connected with Maddie and told her about a party that was happening at the Hogsback Lake campground on Friday, May 27, 2011. Maddie thought that would be a fun option and quickly changed her original plans, deciding to instead camp at Hogsback with Jordy. Hogsback Lake is an old forestry campground that is located about 20 kilometers south of Vanderhoof. Hogsback is a very remote location and is accessed by a forestry road. The campground itself does not offer much in the way of amenities. There are 10 campsites, there's a boat launch, an outhouse, and a few picnic tables and fire pits. 
There's no need to book a reservation there. Campers just kind of show up and camp. While the campground does not offer much in the way of amenities, it does have a surplus of natural beauty. The lake itself is crystal clear and surrounded by Douglas fir trees. The remote location also makes Hogsback the perfect place to have a party. There's no chance of a noise complaint at this location, and it's rarely policed. This makes Hogsback a popular spot for younger people looking to connect and blow off some steam. In the week leading up to the party, Maddie had a pretty uneventful week. According to her phone records, there were no communications that were out of the ordinary. On Friday, May 27, 2011, Maddie agreed to hang out with her friend Jordy. Jordy and Maddie graduated high school together in 2009. They are not close friends and hadn't connected since graduation. Even though they were not what one would consider close, Maddie agreed to go to the party at Hogsback Lake with Jordy. The two women agreed that it would be best to camp that night at the lake. This is something that people do rather than drinking and driving. Maddie packed her things into her truck for a night of camping. In the back of her truck was a cooler with some beer in it, a jerry can of gasoline, and two tents. Maddie brought a smaller pup tent and a larger tent. Jordy and Maddie arrived at the campsite, and once there, they realized that the smaller pup tent was not going to work for two people. So they attempted to put up the larger tent, but they did not have the poles. So Maddie hopped back in her truck and drove back to her parents' house. Maddie arrived back at the Scott residence and told her mom about the tents and the poles. Maddie grabbed the poles for the larger tent and drove back to Hogsback. Before she left, her mother Dawn stated, Have fun. Be safe. I'll talk to you tomorrow, and I love you. This was about 9.30 p.m. Maddie arrived back at the party at Hogsback. Along with some friends, she gathered firewood and set up her tent. At her site was a fire pit, her tent, and her Ford F-150. The party itself started out pretty tame. A group of people who knew one another from Vanderhoof were there to celebrate the birthday party of a former classmate. The birthday party had been posted as an event on Facebook, so what started out as a group of people who knew each other quickly ballooned to about 50 people as more and more people showed up. Some of the people present were unknown to Maddie and her group of friends. Although most of the partygoers were 18 to 25 years old, there were some older folks there too, some of them in their 40s. The party continued to go on into the night as groups of people came and went. At around 11.30 p.m., Dawn, Maddie's mom, got a text from Maddie asking about a certain song. Maddie said she was sitting in her tent, and Dawn ended the convo with, Good night. Have fun. I love you. Maddie received one more phone call that night, at around 12.30 a.m., from a family friend. This was apparently the last call that she answered. Things at the party started to get rowdy, especially with the mix of people that were perhaps unfamiliar with one another. In fact, at one point, some of the young men started to roughhouse or fight. Uh, the men would end up bumping Jordy, and this would cause Jordy, who was quite drunk at this point, to fall into the fire. While Jordy wasn't badly injured, she did have cuts on her hands and knees. She definitely no longer wanted to be at the party at this point due to the whole fire fiasco. Jordy found Maddie and told her she wanted to go home. A guy Jordy recently started seeing had offered to drive them both back to Vanderhoof. Maddie stated she wanted to stay. 
She had her campsite set up and didn't want to leave her truck and belongings behind. Maddie asked Jordy to stay, but Jordy didn't want to because Jordy, in her own words, was super drunk. After Jordy left, Maddie went to her tent. This was reported to be at about 1 a.m. At this point in the evening, there were only about five people left at the party. This included the guy whose birthday it was. Maddie was under the impression that everyone was camping that evening. But around 2.45 a.m., the birthday boy and the rest of the campers decided to pack up and go home. Some of those last to leave would state that Maddie was in her tent. They packed up their things and left Maddie alone at the campsite. This was around 3 a.m. This would be the last time that anyone would see Madison Scott. The next morning, Saturday, May 28, 2011, Jordy and the guy she was seeing drove back out to Hogsback Lake. Jordy had left some clothing, her sleeping bag, and her pillow behind the night before. The time she arrived back at Hogsback varies, but it has been reported to be between 8 and 10 a.m. When Jordy arrived at the campground, she saw that there was no one at Maddie's campsite, no campers from the previous evening, and no Maddie. There were no other tents set up. All that was there was Maddie's truck and Maddie's tent. The tent flap was unzipped. Jordy looked inside and Maddie was not there. She noted that Maddie's items appeared to be pushed to one side. Jordy assumed that Maddie had perhaps left with someone else that night. She didn't think anything of it and she had to go to work that morning, so she left. A short while later, another group arrived at Hogsback to collect some items and clean up from the night before. This included the person whose birthday it was. They noted that Maddie's truck was there and that her tent was there. Members of this group stated that the flap on Maddie's tent appeared to be closed. They assumed that she was sleeping, not wanting to bother her. They did not shake her tent or check on her. They gathered their things, cleaned up, and left. Don Scott had not heard from Maddie since the evening before. She attempted to call Maddie. The phone rang, but no one answered. Don is familiar with the Hogsback area and knows that cell coverage can be spotty, so she wasn't initially concerned. Other friends of Maddie had also tried to call her on Saturday, but they had no luck contacting her either. Maddie was a very independent and responsible 20-year-old, so Don figured that Maddie would check in when she was able to do so. No one who went to the campsite that morning contacted Don with any concerns about Maddie's campsite. Things got a lot more complicated that night. It was a weekend at the end of May. So the campground at Hogsback Lake was again descended upon by another party. This one was substantially larger than the previous evening. It is estimated that over 100 people partied there on Saturday night. About 100 people danced drank, and partied all around Maddie's tent and car. In fact, at one point, a 17-year-old fell into Maddie's tent, causing it to collapse. This party went on into the evening. Most of the people left the party that night, but a few did stay to camp. The whole while, Maddie's abandoned truck and her now-collapsed tent were in everyone's full view. On Sunday, May 29, 2011, Don and Eldon Scott became increasingly more concerned that they had not heard from their daughter Maddie. While she was independent and responsible, it was not like her to not check in with her close-knit family. Maddie also had loose plans on both Saturday and Sunday with friends, 
but did not show up. This was not like her. Dawn again called Maddie's phone. This time it did not ring and it went straight to voicemail. Dawn did not have Jordy's phone number as Jordy again was more of an acquaintance. She called around and finally got a number for Jordy's mom. Jordy's mom informed Dawn that Jordy had come home from Hogsback on Saturday morning. She told Dawn that Jordy did not come home with Maddie and that Jordy was currently at work and would call her later. Dawn and Eldon knew immediately that something was wrong and they made their way out to Hogsback Lake. When they arrived at Hogsback, they found Maddie's truck and her flattened tent in the same place it had been on Friday night, but Maddie was not there. Dawn phoned 911 while Eldon checked the campgrounds. Hi, Tanti. Hi, um, I'm calling uh, my daughter's 20. We're at Hogsback, and I haven't heard from her since Friday night. And we just came out and uh, picked up the scare in the vehicle, and people haven't seen her at all. Okay, what's her name? Madison Scott. And what's her date of birth? April 29th, 91. So she was last heard from on Friday? Friday night, yes. Okay. All of her stuff here, but yeah. Okay, where, does she, where does she live? With you? She, yes, with us in Vanderhoof. Is, does she have a vehicle with her? The vehicle is here, yes. Out of, we are out of Hogsback. I talked to her Friday night and then... We just haven't heard from her yesterday, and her cell phone has been so dead. And been, the truck has been there all the time? The truck, yes, it has been. We're okay. at the truck and the tent right now. And no answer on her cell? No answer. It's been dead, it seems, since yesterday. How tall is she? Uh, Madison, she would be 5'4". What's her weight? 170-ish. Her hair? Um, Ginger-colored. Eyes? Uh, green eyes. We are now going to take a quick break. We'll be back shortly with the disappearance of Madison Scott. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And we are back. So before the break, we outlined the events leading up to the disappearance of Madison Scott, a 20-year-old woman who went missing at the Hogsback Lake campground located just south of Vanderhoof, British Columbia. When Madison did not return home from her camping trip, her parents went to the campsite to find her. When they arrived, she was not there. Her truck and camping gear were still there, but Madison was not. Her parents then phoned 911 to report Maddie as a missing person. 
While waiting for police to arrive, Eldon and Dawn scoured the area looking for Maddie. They came across a group of campers at a nearby site. They stated that they knew Maddie, but they had not seen her at the campground. They also stated that her truck looked like it had been there since Friday evening and that it had not moved the entire time they had been there. Don and Eldon flagged down any cars that were coming or going from the campground to ask if they had seen Maddie. No one there had seen Madison, nor did they know where she was. Maddie's truck was locked, but Eldon had a spare set of keys. He opened Maddie's truck, and inside that truck, they found Maddie's purse and other belongings. In the bed of her pickup truck, they found tools and gear she used for work. They also found a jerry can with gasoline and a cooler. Inside the cooler was the leftover alcohol she had purchased for the party. What they did not find was Maddie's large keychain that had her truck key on it. They also did not find her iPhone 4. Don and Eldon continued to search the area until the RCMP arrived. The RCMP arrived at approximately 12.30 p.m. When officers arrived, they asked the usual questions. Where should Maddie be right now? When was she expected home? Was she expected anywhere? Who was she last with? Is she with a friend or acquaintance? Is it unusual for her to lose contact? RCMP resources in rural areas like Vanderhoof can be scarce, so Eldon and Dawn did the heavy lifting of contacting Maddie's friends to find her. Meanwhile, the RCMP began to ramp up their search in the Hogsback Lake area. The RCMP learned immediately that this wasn't normal for Maddie to be missing. She didn't just take off. But there was the possibility of her getting lost or injured in the wilderness or perhaps in the lake itself. RCMP began to search the area with the help of the Nechaco Valley Search and Rescue. Volunteers from the community also joined in the search. The area surrounding Hogsback Lake, including the lake itself, was searched until the following day when the search was called off by authorities at the end of Monday, May 29, 2011. Law enforcement felt confident that Maddie was not in the area of Hogsback Lake. They felt if she was that they would have found her. However, the unofficial searches would resume on Tuesday, May 30th. Residents from Vanderhoof and the surrounding areas would launch an absolute army of people dedicated to finding Maddie. People on ATVs, dirt bikes, and on foot, and in trucks and cars, began to expand on the search area. The owner of Yellowhead Helicopters also helped by providing free airtime. The helicopter searched a 60-square-kilometer area. This is usually a massive undertaking. The helicopter also used an infrared camera and went out in the mornings when the ground was cold, hoping to detect the heat of a human being in the wilderness. The helicopter also flew along rivers and streams in hopes of finding a flash of clothing. Adding to this difficulty was the knowledge that Maddie was last seen wearing a black top and capri-style denim. This would be a challenge to see from the air. Meanwhile, at the lake, a local man spent his days using his boat and sonar to scan the bottom of Hogsback Lake. The RCMP needed to generate more leads, so after suspending the initial search, they would eventually commence a larger search of the area. On the ground, scent dogs were used, but with the sheer volume of the people who were at both of those parties, this proved to be a challenge for the dogs. In the forested areas, searchers came across some very unique challenges. The terrain around Hogsback and Vanderhoof is wild, to say the least. 
in the forest there is not just trees. There is deep and thick brush that is impassable. There's not a lot of open areas in these parts. There are also steep drops and climbs. Finding your way through this labyrinth of thick brush, branches, dead wood, tree trunks, and fallen Douglas firs proved a challenge for even expert search and rescue members. Hundreds of volunteers and professionals walked or ATV'd along streams, rivers, and valleys. Grid searches were done every day, with searchers marking trees with ribbons and spray paint. Other searchers drove along old forestry roads. Most of these roads are unmarked and unmapped. Another challenge that searchers faced was the sheer amount of structures in the area. Deep in the forest are hundreds of trapper and hunter shelters. Many are abandoned and date back a hundred years or more. Few, if any, of these structures are known or mapped. Searchers would either see these structures from the air or come across them in their foot searches. Once found, structures were searched inside and out. The community of Vanderhoof showed up in droves for these searches, helping with fundraisers or with whatever equipment or skill they could offer. But sadly, Maddie has never been found. For the RCMP investigation, they turned their eyes to Hogs Back and the night she went missing. The investigation focused on the two parties and to all those who attended those gatherings. Keep in mind, there were two nights of parties with well over 150 people combined at those parties. There were also many groups inside of those parties that did not know one another. Tracking down and interviewing all of these people was a difficult task. The major crimes unit out of Prince George took over the investigation. RCMP believe that over the years they have found and interviewed everyone who went to the parties on Friday and Saturday night. Polygraphs have also been used during most interviews. Tom Womsteeker, an investigator with the RCMP, stated, I think it is no secret that in the course of the investigation that polygraphs have been used as an investigative tool. I would be doing a disservice to those people who have undertaken the polygraph examination to speak specifically to the questions. As well as we continue the investigation, we may have to use this technique further to eliminate people in respect to their involvement in Maddie's disappearance. But I can say that we have received cooperation with everyone who was at that party that night to eliminate themselves from any involvement in Maddie's disappearance. Throughout the investigation, the Scott family has maintained a good relationship with the RCMP. The RCMP have shared with them all that they are allowed during this process. Both sides feel that there has been a good two-way street of communication. Speaking about the interviews with the partygoers, Don Scott states, quote, It's been very frustrating. I don't think anyone from the party knows anything, but obviously someone does, and they haven't come forward yet. We are now going to recap the evidence and intelligence that has been presented. The evidence at the scene is the following. Let's start with what was found or not found. Maddie's truck, tent, purse, money, beer, tools, and equipment were found at the campsite, exactly where she left it. Her phone and keychain were not found. These are things that are normally held in pockets. We know that there were only five people remaining from the birthday party at 2.45 a.m. We know that Maddie was last seen in her tent at around 3 a.m. as those last five partygoers left. Maddie may not have known that she was being left alone that night. 
we know that two different groups of people came back to the campsite between 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. First was Jordy and her new boyfriend, and then the second group with the birthday boy. This leaves a five to seven hour window that Maddie was alone. The sun would have risen at Hogsback at around 4.55 a.m. that morning. So between 3 a.m. and 4.55 a.m., she would have been in total darkness and alone. The temperature that night would have been as low as 4 degrees Celsius. Police searching the scene did not find any evidence of a struggle at the campsite, but keep in mind that possibly 150 people came and went over 48 hours. The area would have been well-trodden. We also know that Maddie's last incoming phone call was 12.30 a.m. the night of the Friday party. Her phone rang unanswered on Saturday, but went straight to voicemail on Sunday, possibly indicating a drained battery. The RCMP do not believe that Maddie is in the Hogsback Lake area, but they also do not believe that she is a runaway or that she had some kind of accident. The base theory is that something has happened to Maddie that is preventing her from being with her family. There are two thoughts here. The first is that someone from the party that knew Maddie and knew she was alone came back when no one else was there. Or that someone unknown to the party discovered her alone at this site. Due to the remote location, Maddie would have been taken or lured from the campground in a vehicle. She would not have left the area on foot. It is very possible that the person or persons involved with the disappearance of Madison Scott were known to her. Perhaps not a close contact, but maybe someone who she had met once or twice, or even that night. Perhaps it was a member of one of the groups that was unfamiliar to her friend group. We do not want to engage in unhelpful speculation, but this case reads like an abduction. The RCMP have stated that they have not identified anyone who had a grudge against Maddie. However, they do believe that foul play is involved. The Scott family appreciates all of the help that they have received. However, they have been very clear that the rumors and speculation are not helpful. Two people have been put under a lot of scrutiny over the years. The first is Jordy, the friend who was with her and left that night. The second is a young man who was interested in Maddie, but she did not like him in that way. Don Scott has been very open that she believes that these two people are not to blame. She also states that these two people have been put through the ringer on social media and the internet. There was also a 28-year-old man who Maddie played baseball with that died seven months after Maddie went missing. This man has a bit of a past. We only bring this up because the Scott family and the RCMP have been very clear that this person and the incident is not related to Maddie's disappearance. The Scott family and authorities have worked hard to keep Maddie's story in the public eye. On June 7, 2011, they did their first TV media plea. In December of 2011, a Crime Stoppers reenactment was released. They also established their website, madisonscott.ca. 18 months after Maddie disappeared, her case was featured on the American true crime show, 48 Hours. Her case was featured along with other Highway of Tears cases. However, Maddie's disappearance is not classified as a Highway of Tears case for two reasons. One, she was 30 kilometers south of Highway 16. And two, she was not engaged in a high-risk activity like hitchhiking that would have made her vulnerable to being abducted. 
This is part of the official requirement for an EPANA case. People have been critical of the 48 Hours episode for misreporting details and portraying Jordy in a less than positive light. In 2014, a documentary was released with the blessing and participation of the Scott family. The documentary is on YouTube and is called The Vanishing of Madison Scott. This video has been viewed over 3 million times. It is considered by the family to be the most factual account of Maddie's case. On May 28, 2021, the 10-year anniversary of Madison's disappearance, Eldon and Don Scott released another media plea. After 10 years of their daughter being missing, they sat at the kitchen table with Madison's missing poster on a stand. Their pain can be felt through their words. 10 years without answers, but they still continue to fight for their daughter by reinforcing the message that Maddie is still missing. It's definitely really hard to believe it has been 10 years. The, it's not a day or minute that minute goes by. She's not part of part of what we are. <clears throat> Maddie just had her 30th birthday at the end of April. Yeah, and she's missing out on a lot. And she's been missing now a third of her life, 10 years. You know, she's just a wonderful, messy, creative, loving aunt sister-in-law and she's missing and that's the message that we have to keep going with that she is missing and we have to find her and just somebody knows something and somebody needs to come forward with info we just we need help to find Maddie And if anybody has info, they can either contact the local detachment at 250-567-2222, or you can remain anonymous and you could call Crime Stoppers at 1-800-222-8477. We have a $100,000 reward that's being offered, and we have a recurring image that Maddie's sitting somewhere waiting for us to rescue her and we haven't found her yet and we need to find her so please help us find her every year in may the community in vanderhoof holds what is known as a poker run for a fundraiser and to raise awareness for maddie the ride is held on the trails around hogsback lake people can participate by walking riding a horse or an atv on three different trails Well over 300 people turn out each year, purchasing poker hands with a chance to win prizes. There is a lunch and an opportunity for community afterwards. Hopefully this year, they will be able to restart this initiative with COVID protocols being relaxed across the province. If you are interested in learning more about this case, please check out the Canadian True Crime episode or the documentary The Vanishing of Madison Scott. Madison Scott's case continues to need our attention, but more importantly, the Scott family needs tips. There is a $100,000 reward for information leading to the arrest of any suspects involved in this disappearance. This is not a small amount of money. If you were at the party that night or know something, we ask that you come forward. Ten years have gone by. 
Ten years ago, you may have been younger. This may have led you to conceal information. But now, over ten years later, you may have a family of your own. Now is the time for you to come forward. Do you remember a friend or a family member acting suspicious in the weeks after her disappearance? Perhaps they had some injuries that they could not explain. Or they called out of work in the last week of May 2011. At the time of her disappearance, Madison Scott is described as a 20-year-old woman. She is white, with ginger-colored, shoulder-length hair. She is 5 foot 4 inches tall and 160 pounds. She was last seen at 3 a.m. on the morning of May 29, 2011 at Hogsback Lake Campground, just south of Vanderhoof, British Columbia. Please come forward with your information by calling the Vanderhoof RCMP or by anonymously calling Crime Stoppers. Our producers on the podcast are Both With a K, Alicia B, L.A., Vicky W., Barbara B., Colleen, Blair M., Melanie E., Alberta B., Carolyn M., Kelly D., Jimmy H., Shandy, Jessa, Lisa Marie, Thomas E., Maureen, Lorena, Colleen B., Susan S., Kennedy, and Alex and Andrea P. We will be back soon with a new episode, so until then, stay safe, everyone. Stay safe. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.